0: Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Don't bring us into temptation or testing, but deliver us from the evil one. Amen. So how's it going? Are we praying less, more? That was the challenge a couple of weeks ago, wasn't it? wasn't to to pray less frequently, but to maybe shrink back, scale back our expectations of what prayers should be, so that we could experience what prayer could be. To fill ourselves, to saturate ourselves with Him above all other things. I wanted uh, a couple of weeks ago to use the phrase learning to walk before we could run uh, in reference to our prayers. But as I stopped and I considered it, I thought, no, that's the wrong phrase to use. Because that phrase implies that the the walking element is somehow basic or inferior, that there's an advancement to to additional skills further down the line as we run. We don't want to be people who are treading water in the shallow end, do we? We want to be people who are diving head first into the deep stuff. But learning to pray less isn't about getting the basics right so that we can then move on. It's about recognising, prioritising that which is most valuable, that which is most powerful, that which is actually most important. To state it all again, Uh, Let me say that we often make this mistake, don't we? That when we come to prayer, we assume that it's all about getting God to give us stuff. We read our Bible, perhaps, that's how he speaks to us. And prayer is our opportunity to bring all of our requests, all of our petitions, all of our needs and issues and problems. Now, that is part of prayer. We're encouraged in God's word to bring our petitions to him. But I fear that if that's our only understanding of prayer, prayer in general, and in particular the Lord's Prayer which we just heard, then we've missed the point and we've missed it spectacularly. You see, when we pray, Jesus shows us that we have an opportunity to be challenged. An opportunity to be changed ourselves. In almost every way that we might conceive and describe prayer, we understand that there's this element of meeting with God, don't we? And one of the things that we find time and time and time again in God's word is that when an individual encounters God, when people in church history have come into his presence, they never ever leave the scene. So the question that I want to be on our lips this morning as we work through the Lord's Prayer together is this. How might a prayer like this be changing me? How might my encountering the living God through prayer, how might it affect me, shape me, mould me? Two weeks ago I was speaking about the battle that exists for our minds, for our attention, for our hearts and our affections. And when we utilise the words of the Lord's Prayer, did you realise that we're given an opportunity to reject so many lies? So many lies that the world around us would tell us, that the enemy would tell us, even that we would tell ourselves. When we use the Lord's Prayer, instead we're, we're invited by Jesus, to see the world as it truly is, to see our place in this world as it truly is, in light of who Jesus is. The Lord's Prayer, and all prayer, is an opportunity to enter into reality, rather than the false realities we create for ourselves. Prayer and the Lord's Prayer in particular is an opportunity to get rid of all of those lies and to come and to embrace the truth. And I'll say it again it is so necessary because we're bombarded with all kinds of false stories that, that change the way that we see the world we live in, that change how we see our lives as human beings. And these lies lead us away from God. They lead us away from light. They lead us away from life. They lead us away from the truth which is God reigning in Christ. Lies that whether they're expressed in this way or not, they're there and we're drowning in them. Lies like God doesn't care. Lies like God is powerless. Lies like life is meaningless. Perhaps the biggest lie of all That if we all pull together in the same direction, we can figure it all out. That we can sort life and this world out together. These are thoughts, these are ideas which wash over us day after day. And they stop us from seeing and experiencing the world as it really is. The world in which Christ rules and reigns. And so Jesus says into his disciple scenario, into our present modern day scenario, that is when you should pray. Your prayers are a chance to remind ourselves of the ultimate reality, what really is true. To refocus on him, to reorientate ourselves when we've been bamboozled and spun around. Prayer is an opportunity. To turn off all the fake news and to come and to live and abide in the world as it truly is. I heard this wonderful description of prayer on a podcast this week. I wanted to share it with you. Speaking about the Lord's Prayer, in a particular line in the Lord's Prayer. This is what the individual said. Hallowing the name of God is more for me than it is for God. Having him set apart, lifted up glorified is more for me than it is for God. Because prior to hallowing his name, I've been in the world. Being in the world, that's what's previous to every prayer I've ever prayed. We come into God's presence when we've been in the world. And so if I do not begin my prayers by becoming more in touch with the reality of who he is, then my prayers are born from reaction to the circumstances around me rather than the reality of who God is. Or as I've been trying to put it, if we do not come and dwell, saturate, bathe ourselves in the reality of who he is and what he has done, then our prayers are just outworkings of the lies that we're told, the lies that we tell rather than the truth. That is Christ Jesus. It's impossible to be praying the Lord's Prayer while we're at the same time believing all of these lies. And so as we walk through it, we begin, don't we, with our Father in heaven. <clears throat> Here's the sort of lie that we hear, the sort of lie that we're inclined to believe. God isn't interested God has left us to it. God is powerless, even if he sees what's going on to make any sort of change. Life is meaningless. There's absolutely no point. There's so many lies that we tell ourselves when life gets tough, especially. Many lies that we absorb from the world around us. A world that wants to reject God and to do away with him. But here is where Jesus starts the prayer. It begins with God in heaven. And more than that, the word that he uses to relate to the one who is over and above, Father, Father. Did you see it already? Before you move any deeper into this prayer, that praying is an act of rebellion in our world. Praying can get you cancelled because it goes against the perceived wisdom of our age. How praying this prayer forces you to reorientate yourself around a truth. A truth that if we're honest, we're prone to doubt, prone to forget, prone to wander away from. That we have in God a Father in heaven. When we pray as Jesus teaches us to pray, we have this opportunity to reject the lie that he doesn't care. Of course he does. He's our father. We have to reject that lie that he can't do anything. Of course he can. His place is in the highest of heavens. You have to reject the lie that life is meaningless because if he's your father, that means you are part of something that is bigger. Bigger than you can comprehend. You're part of a royal family and there are no spares in that royal family. So before the prayer has even got going, the reality that we find ourselves in has to be a different place in order to pray that. Do you see? Getting rid of the lies and filling. Bathing in the truth. God, you are our Father. God, you care. God, you love. God, you're in control. That's what you're teaching yourself as you begin to pray this this prayer. I mean, how reassuring is that in a world that has clearly gone very bad. That it isn't a world that's been abandoned. How reassuring when we feel alone to know that we are part of something more. That we're loved, that we're provided for. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. There's the lie that life is all about me and my comfort, my happiness, my fulfilling my potential. Life is all about me, me, me. And that's a lie. It's a lie that's at the heart of our rebellion against God. That the thing that we tend to in our world and in ourselves cry out louder than anything is hallowed be my name, not yours my heavenly father. That we live in such a way our desires are so aligned that we want the world to lift us up, to revere us that everything exists for my satisfaction above all other things. And Jesus, in giving this prayer, encourages us to reprioritize, to reject all those daft things, to reveal the the true purpose of our lives, that we exist to be part of recognising and declaring how wonderful he is. Jesus even said that about himself in John chapter 12, as the hour of his death was fast approaching, that what was going to happen on the cross was about glorifying the Father, hallowing him. And it's so releasing to come into that world. Prayer changing us, shaping us should also be like this, burden being lifted. So freeing to realise that we live for the glory of someone who is truly glorious. When we're dwelling in that place, that lie that life is about us and us being lifted up, it's a constant labour, isn't it? When it's for us and our glory, it's a constant labour because we're not particularly glorious, even on our best days. But when we come in prayer and when we pray less and our minds and our hearts are turned to the truth that life is about us, Him who is truly glorious. Well, then I think that leads us into sweet, sweet peace. Release freedom. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. And and when the Bible is speaking about kingdom, when Jesus is speaking about kingdom, he's speaking more than just geographical regions in which someone reigns. He's speaking about a quality of life, an experience of life under that person's authority and reign. Last week, Lewis was was helping us to see this, that the kingdom of heaven, which belongs to the poor in spirit, is about the king coming in and making his home in each and every room of our lives and our world, every nook and cranny. But here's the lies that we believe. The lies that we believe is that it's not his kingdom, that it's our kingdom, that we're in charge, that it's not how he does things. It's not about his will, but it's about how we do things, that our ways are the best. And even when we stopped for a moment, we see how utterly ridiculous those lies are, even though we repeat them. Even though we parrot them, even though we trumpet them and put them on the the front page and the the lead story in all of our uh, interactions. Because we're not in charge. We're not in control. Our ways of doing things are clearly not the best ways. All we're capable of is repeating the mistakes of folks like you and me throughout history. So here's the praying less. Here's the truth to come and abide in, that Jesus is the king. All authority is his given to him by the Father in heaven, that he sets the agenda, that it is their will, not ours, that should be done. And that is an overwhelmingly good thing. If you want to read the rest of the Sermon on the Mount from which the Lord's Prayer is plucked here in Matthew chapter 6, Matthew chapter 5, Matthew chapter 6, Matthew chapter 7. That's like a a revealing to us of what his kingdom is like. It's a revealing to us of the will that God, Father, Son and Spirit have for our world. And you know, sometimes you can read a Sermon on the Mount. You can read about the kingdom and it can be a terrifying thing. A terrifying thing if you think it's some sort of test that you need to pass in order to be a part of what he's about. But if you see it as a gift that is received, it is enchanting, it is glorious, it is a world that we cannot deny we want to be a part of. So no matter how persuasive the propaganda of any given politician may be, We can't carry on living like we're in charge, can we? Perpetuating the same brokenness for generations. We pray, Jesus says, we pray less, dispelling those lies, embracing this truth. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. You are in charge. Your ways are best. On earth as it is in heaven. Now, this is one of those strange places where there's a specifically Christian lie that we're very often um, disposed to believe. A very specific Christian lie. The lie that this world is something to be escaped or at best endured. That this perhaps is as good as it gets, another form of the lie. But at least we get something afterwards. We can view this world as something that needs to be escaped or endured, can't we? But the truth of the Bible's story is that God cares about this creation and he cares about it eternally so. What we're a part of right here, right now, God cares about. Lewis was helping us to see again last week that eternal life God's kingdom isn't some sort of prize we inherit when we die, but it's a gift from God the moment we believe. And so that lie that all this isn't that important, all this is actually holding us back perhaps, well, that's something that we need to dispel. And when we pray your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, aren't we saying, God, you care place that you have created we have to believe that God cares as much no more than we care about this bruised and battered creation we've got to pray less in that sense and, and teach ourselves the truth not the lie we're so prone to believe your will be done on earth as it is in heaven So, give us today our daily bread. How long in this prayer has it taken to come to a request like this? The sort of thing that we kind of imagine the entirety of prayer to be. It takes so long in Jesus' model prayer for us to get here, and it falls out of everything that has gone before. But it's just like the rest. That in order to pray this prayer, there are lies that we need to dispel and truth that we need to embrace. Here's the lies that our world comes up with. We think as reasonable, even in our Christian circles. Lies like, you don't work, you don't eat. You get whatever you're responsible for. Or a worse version of that even is, because I have worked, therefore I have a right to everything that I have. Is wrong. Or another lie like uh, the scarcity mindset that I've spoken about before, that there isn't enough to go around so I need to grab hold of and retain everything for myself. You can see the effect of those lies all throughout the world. It makes us selfish. It makes us entitled. It makes us terrible human beings to live in a world shaped by those ideas. It's literally ruining our lives, and it's literally ruining our planet. But God, pray with me Les, God, you are a generous God. We've already acknowledged you as our Father, someone who cares, someone who can, someone who will give what we need. See, the truth is that God is a generous God, that everything that we have, even that what we work for, comes from him. So we need to stop thinking about life as if it's the accumulation of things that are mine by rights, mine by work. We need to get rid of the uh, imagining of life as holding on to things, because if I let it go, it might never get replaced, that there's not enough to go around We have to admit, don't we, in praying a prayer like this, Lord, give us each day our daily bread, that we are utterly dependent on the love, of the generosity, of the grace of another, and that we trust that God is that loving, gracious, generous one. Forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. The lie that we embrace is this, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Now, that is the rule and the law of justice, which is important in our world. But it's not a description of Jesus' graciousness, the grace and the mercy that we find in his kingdom. That's justice and law and it's important for order. But it's not the kingdom. It's not life lived in relationship with our Father. Here's what we say. I'll forgive them when they fully repaid their debt. Or, worse still, cancel them. Because they are irredeemable. There's no way back for them. But here's the truth. We are people who only get to enter Jesus's kingdom because the king has forgiven us. Forgiveness is something that we first and foremost benefit from, not something that we earn, something that we receive, not something that is ours because of penance that we've paid. Forgiveness, Jesus says, is something we're called to lavish on others, not something that we hold on tightly for ourselves. Forgiveness is paying another person's debts. It's what we're promising to do in this prayer, and it's what Jesus has done for us, even to the extent that he still bears the scars of our forgiveness. Praying less is recognising that God is one who is willing to pay our debts, that God is gracious, that God it's merciful that God is forgiving and that frees us to live likewise. Reject the lies, embrace the truth. And then this final line, do not bring us into temptation or testing, but deliver us from the evil one. Here's the sort of things that we hear, here's the sort of things that we feel. That when something is hard in our lives, it means that God has given up. Worse still, that if something is hard, then somehow God is punishing you. Think about two times in Jesus' life when he was truly tempted, when he was truly tested, when life got really hard. In the desert at the start of his ministry, in the garden at the end. And what did Jesus do? Did he listen to the lies of the world? Did he say, well, there you have it. God doesn't care. Life is hard, life is horrible, life is full of temptations and testing, so God has given up on me. No. In both those circumstances, we see probably more clearly than anywhere else in his life that he entrusted himself into the hands of the Father. He didn't pull away because he knew the truth. The truth that our loving Heavenly Father will not only provide for us, but he will pick us up and he will carry us through even the darkest days. Do you see the lies and the truth? Do you see how you need to know God more in order to pray this way? Do you see how you need to have smaller expectations, maybe of what prayer is, and just dwell and abide in the truth? Of who he is and the impact that that has on us. More than that, do you ever stop to think about the lies that are controlling how we live and how we react? Do you ever stop to consider, like um, Tyler did on the podcast that I quoted at the start, that when you come to pray you always come having been in the world having been breathing that air in, drinking and eating those lies. Do you ever consider how Jesus shows us the way, the truth and the life, how the world really is, who God truly is, how we can be in light of those things? It's not a one-time scenario because each and every day we wake up And like someone standing still on a treadmill, we've lost ground. If we stand still on the treadmill, the voices around us, even the voices in us, push us back even further. So prayer, and the Lord's Prayer as an example of that, is an opportunity. A call, a moment for us to reject all of those lies. And to embrace the truth that is found in Jesus. So this is why I want to encourage us as a church to pray less. Not in terms of our frequency, but in terms of what we think we're doing or where we're going. Because our prayers aren't formed in a vacuum, they're formed in the reality we inhabit. And praying less is a chance to inhabit the world as it really is. So I'll finish where we finished last week. What is true about God? What is true about his character, about his work, that you need to know today? That you need to know every day? Brothers and sisters, come to his word. And don't try and find a lesson necessarily about how you should live. But try and find truth about him. God has revealed himself in so many ways in history, and he's revealed himself now supremely in the Son, Jesus Christ. Come to him. What is true about God that I need to turn the volume up on this to 11 to drown out the lies around? What is true about his God, his character, his work that you need to know today? And then go ahead. Shout it from the rooftops. Scream it in your prayers. This is true. Thank you, God. I think if we pray less, we will be better for it. We will be changed. We will do all of the things that the Lord's Prayer suggests. We'll hallow his name. We'll pursue his kingdom. We'll trust him. We'll forgive. Because we'll be living in that world rather than the world of lies that so often dominates. Jesus, you are one who speaks truth. You are one who reveals the way, the truth and the life. Help us to be a people who come and sit and listen to you first and foremost in this world. Because there is reality.